My name is Jessica from Edmonds, Washington. I'm a Christian, and I never listened to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Oh, no. Now I'm going to hell. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, and welcome to the show. Episode 138 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host of the show that now we know even Christians don't listen to. I'm Jesse Dollamore, sitting across from me, the lovely but very, very tired Brittany Page. Yes, and I, I feel like this is a constant theme. But here's the weird thing. We could have done this earlier today, but no, it's 11.40 p.m. Yeah, that's the that's prime time. That's the best time to do the show. I mean, <laughs> what is getting in the way of doing it earlier? We had to wait until 11.42 p.m. Right, there's Pacific nothing. Pacific Standard Time. There's nothing. We just cut the cable. <laughs> we did. Let's talk about that rather than waiting until late to do the show. I just became officially a cable cutter. Is that a cord cutter? What are they saying? I think cord cutter is what they say. Well, I, we don't have cable anymore. Just, uh, just Sling. We got a faster internet connection and Sling.com which has like 20 different channels, CNN being one of them, to stream over our Roku streaming stick. Here's a little commercial for that. <laughs> and uh, and for uh, on the Google Chromecast. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's good. Yeah. So you have Netflix, Sling TV. Uh, well, I'm, I was a, a pig in shit last night when I... Wow. Th- that means happy. <laughs> when Does I, it? That, that is what it means. When I discovered that I, I went on my iPhone and I downloaded like Fox Network has its own app. ABC has its own app. NBC has its own app. FX has its own app. All of these different networks have their own apps from which you can stream to the Chromecast and watch episodes of from on their network. Nice. So it's awesome. So maybe canceling Sling could very well be in order. We will see. Canceling Sling. Yeah, because if all those individual networks have their... Because as it is now, the only... We're not going to get any sponsorship from Sling by doing this, but the only the only channel that's really worth anything f- for me on Sling is CNN. Yeah, it's a bummer because we lost Fox News. Yeah. And that was unfortunate. But it is nice that you, you found these apps because... We miss Jeopardy. There's many shows that we watched every day that we miss. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, we were forced to kind of figure out what's important. And maybe we were watching too much TV. Way too much TV. And it was getting difficult to try to explain it away as doing show research. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But now... We don't have too much TV to watch. Not at all. So let's go ahead and start recording the show a little earlier. No, the show. Yeah, god damn it. There's really <laughs> I can't I can't get around that argument. That is fucking ironclad. Yep. 
Well, before we move on, I want to give the phone number 657-464-7609. That is where you call to leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail if you'd like to communicate and help us move the conversation forward. We would also really admonish you to join the throngs of individuals who've left a review for the show on iTunes, unless you're not an iTunes user. Um, that that helps us out a lot, and we, we've we been getting several. What, what's the latest? Uh, the latest is titled, My New Favorites. I love the chemistry between Brittany and Jesse. I read my name first again, even though it's not... <laughs> They play off each other so well, you feel like you're kicking back with friends at the end of the day. Also, Jesse pronounces Ben Affleck the same way I do. Yeah, and you just pronounce it like me. I, for, for some the, reason. For the effect of the, of the read, yes, probably. Yes, exactly. Well, that's good. Thank you very much, reviewer. We appreciate it very much. We would really like you, audience, to join that person. If you are listening to the sound of my voice and have not yet reviewed us, whether it be on Stitcher or iTunes or whatever conveyance, go there now and review us. Also, save everyone who has reviewed the time of hearing Jesse talk about it and yeah. just, just review the show. Yeah. And then also, before we move on, if you'd like to join the supporters of the show on Patreon by giving a, a monthly donation, setting a maximum so you don't go over your budget, you can do that at Patreon. Patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore, and that is all that I will say about that. Let's get into a little listener email. Recently, we have talked about trying to put together some kind of an episode, whether it be a bonus episode for the Patreon subscribers, or we don't know. We're trying to figure it out, but I put a call out to the audience relative to the technological um the difficulties that we face in putting something like that together because I'm not the smartest guy. And we got an email from a listener. You are probably already getting lots of responses to your live streaming question, but I would like to say the easiest way to do it would be to set up a Google Hangout video chat with Brittany and broadcast it on YouTube that way. Used to do that with my old pretentious movie snobs podcast, Dave from the Indispensable Thursday show. Yeah. The reason I'm reading this email, because we have gotten a few responses to this, is because while we, it's almost kind of shitty that we, <laughs> we're having you read it and then saying wrong, bad answer, and it's not necessarily that. I just, I don't want something like a Google Hangout. I'm trying to think of maybe something with video involved, but we have to do something with piping the audio of the, of the debate into the stream. And right. then being able to pause right. when we need to. Because people also need to hear the debate. That's right. Yeah. So we would, I don't want the debate just like on in the background where you can't hear it. I want it, pro the audio of the debate, which is probably not the most legal thing. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, it is easier to ask forgiveness than permission, which is probably not the best thing to say on the air. Is that the saying? <laughs> Yeah, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. It seems like terrible advice. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's not the best. Okay. But it's how I live my life, Brittany Page. <laughs> that is, is how I live not my good. Life. Not good. So for those of you who are have been thinking and are mulling over ideas for us, just know the criteria that I just listed are it's kind of what I'm thinking. So thank you, Dave, from the Indispensable Thursday Show podcast. More follow-up news. South Carolina, 
the Senate, the state Senate in South Carolina has voted to remove the Confederate flag from government buildings, and it went to the state house, to the state house of representatives, where they just within the last hour or so voted to remove it. The House of Representatives voted 94 to 20. Now, nice. To remove it. I mean, that's still 20 dickheads. <laughs> right. So the Senate had already voted for the flag's removal, like you said. And now Governor Nikki Haley has already said she would sign it into law. Today, as the Senate did before them, the House of Representatives has served the state of South Carolina and her people with great dignity. It is a new day in South Carolina, a day we can all be proud of, a day that truly brings us all together as we continue to heal as one people and one state. Well, listen, that is awesome. I mean, we've talked about it. We've let our opinions be known very loudly on the show. What I want to talk about is is related to this because it happened while the Senate was debating this issue. State Senator, South Carolina State Senator Lee Bright, on the floor, in formal open debate, had this to say while debating the issue of the Confederate flag. Senator from Spartanburg, three minutes, please. Mr. President, members of the Senate, uh, we had, can I get a little order? This is, yes, sir. Little order, please. Members of the Senate, uh, I heard our president, president sing a uh, religious hymn. And then Friday night, I watched the White House be lit up in the abomination colors. Uh. It's time. We've got amazing grace. We've got people in the stands here of faith. It is time for the church to rise up. It's time for the state of South Romans chapter 1 is clear. The Bible is clear. This nation was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and they are under assault by men in black robes who were not elected by you. We better make a stand. I, what I'd like to see is these folks that are, are working as, as, uh, in the positions that are dealing with these marriage certificates not to have to betray their faith or compromise their faith in order to, to subject themselves to the tyranny of five judges. So what we need to do is we need to debate this on the floor. Our governor called us in to deal with a flag that sits out front. Let's deal with the national sin that we face today. We talk about abortion, but this gay marriage thing, I believe we'll be one nation gone under, like President Reagan said. If we're not one nation under God, we'll be one nation gone under. And to sanctify deviant behavior from five judges, it's time for us to make our stand, church. It's time to make our stand, and we're not doing it. We can rally together and talk about a flag all we want, but the devil is taking control of this land, and we're not <laughs> stopping him. You're it's time fine. to make our stand. Let South Carolina discuss it. If the state's got to get out of the business of marriage, then let's get out of the business of marriage, because we cannot succumb to what's being done to the future of this nation. Now, I believe... That Christ teaches us to love the homosexual, but he also teaches us to stand in the gap for, against sin. And we need to make our stand. I know how people feel of all colors about this. And I know that we need to respect our brother and love our brother, but we cannot respect this sin in the state of South Carolina. So I'm asking you to open up the sign die and let's deal with marriage. If, we, if, we're, if we're not going to 
find some way to push back against the federal government like our forefathers did or push back against a tyrannical government like the founders of this nation did, let's at least not put these citizens in South Carolina in a position where they've got to choose between their faith and their jobs. So thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Uh, Goddamn. Well, he's very passionate. He almost sounded like he was feigning tears there for a second. He was very out of breath as well. Other than the fact that he called the gay pride flag abomination colors. Yeah, the a rainbow. Rainbow colors are abomination colors. Right. He, here's the other thing. He talks about how he's so impassioned about not, not forcing clerks and government employees to violate their deeply held faith by issuing marriage licenses to homosexuals, but he it's just for homosexuals. What if someone doesn't want to issue di- divorce papers to a couple, a heterosexual couple, that is coming in to file for divorce? Ooh. That's, that's against the Bible. Right. Well. But what? I, I'm, I'm acting as though I'm Lee Bright right now. <laughs> well... <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. uh, It doesn't make any sense. The other thing that I get from this side, which is very odd, is especially people like him who want to invoke the name of Ronald Reagan and act like these conservative warriors and constitutional experts and lovers of our, our, our founding document. Don't bash the court. Oh, these five unelected judges. These five unelected judges trying to just... To run through this judicial tyranny. Herpader. Herpader. Yeah, huh? Herpader. All right. So the thing with that is, is that is the the foundational principle of our three-pronged government set forth in our constitution calls for the judicial branch of our government, wherein you find the Supreme Court. Yeah, well, they're only happy with it when a decision is in line with what they believe. Right. When it doesn't violate their theocratic understanding of the founding of our country. It's disgusting. That man represents thousands of people, probably, in the state of South Carolina and the city of Spartansburg. It's a little concerning. Ugh. Ugh. Especially since he was standing there talking about how Satan has taken hold of the country <laughs> and all of this. And it's it's a little disturbing. And I watched a video today of a couple being refused a marriage license in North Carolina. Yeah. And it was really upsetting, you know. And, and I think that people like Lee Bright need to watch things like that and really put themselves in those people's shoes and understand, well, how would you feel... If you tried to go get a marriage license to marry someone you love, yeah, and you were told by the clerk, yeah, we can't, we no, can't give that to not you. Not we can't. I won't give that to you. Yeah, it's not we as in well the government. It's me in a position of authority in this government office because of my personal beliefs will not issue on behalf of the government whatever it is that you want or that you're requesting that you have a right to under the law. Right. Now, he would be enraged by that. Oh, yeah. If it was happening to him or if it was happening to someone he loved. So why can't he understand? I mean, he doesn't have to know anyone. He doesn't have to love anyone, but he just has to understand 
what happens to those people when they're treated like that and how that must feel. I had someone message me on Facebook today and they brought up an awesome point that if these arguments were being made by Muslims, Muslim clerks who work for the government, saying that they weren't going to that they were going to refuse to issue whatever license based on their Islam, based on their faith. People would be losing their minds that these Muslims are disrespecting the system. They're disrespecting the Constitution. They're disrespecting the United States and, and, and everything we stand for. But because it's Southern hillbilly Christians, it's okay. Because notice, this isn't happening in Washington State. This isn't happening in Oregon. It's not, surely not happening here in California. This is happening in the Deep South. South Carolina, North Carolina, Alabama, with Roy Moore, the Supreme Court justice there. Goddamn. Well, and it's just disappointing because it's under the guise of being loving and trying to be compassionate and their religious beliefs right, and their right. closely held personal beliefs. And it's just not. It's just not. It's a ruse, for sure. Well, speaking of a ruse... The, the jig is up. Bill Cosby... No, no, we don't answer that. ...is in uh, the deep doo-doo, as they say, Brittany Page. Yes, that's it, what they say. It has come out that in a, in a sworn deposition before a judge, he admitted to giving quaaludes for the purposes of having sex with young women. Bill Cosby testified in 2005 that he got quaaludes with the intent of giving them to young women he wanted to have sex with. And he admitted giving the sedative to at least one woman and other people, according to court documents. What? <laughs> the 77-year-old was testifying under oath in a lawsuit filed by a former Temple University employee. He testified he gave her three half pills of Benadryl. So in the deposition, the attorney asks him, you were going to use these quaaludes for young women you wanted to have sex with. And he answers, yes. And then what happens is the lawyer then asks, did you have sex with these women or did you give these pills to the women unwillingly? At which point Cosby's lawyer interrupts and objects and tells him not to answer the question. So this is very damning evidence. And there was a giant list of people who were supporting this monster, Whoopi Goldberg. There was some singer. There's all kinds of people who were out there supporting him. And now they've got egg all over their faces. So Jill Scott was one of them. That's the singer, right? I don't know what she does. Yeah. Um, but she was defending him and very aggressive about it, tweeting that he was a man she respected, that he's helped her a lot in her career, which somehow matters. And Right, that makes him a good man. Um, so she has tweeted that this evidence is enough for her to believe the accusations, and she has apologized for not believing it, but she did say that this was the evidence that she was looking for right. before she believed it. It wasn't enough to even be suspicious after 30-plus women have come forward. You need Cosby's words saying, yeah, I'm a rape. I'm a raper. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Well, what about Whoopi Goldberg? She is still defending him. Really? Yes. Goddamn. How is that? Donald Trump makes asshole racist remarks 
about Mexicans. Somebody's doing the raping, Don. And and Whoopi Goldberg gets to keep her job after defending a rapist. What will come out, in my estimation, as a rapist. So this is what... She said, Whoopi Goldberg, she said, as a former Quaalude user, the 80s were, they weren't fun for everybody, clearly. We'll see what happens as more information comes out. People will make judgments. I don't like snap judgments because I've had snap judgments made on me, so I'm very, very careful. Save your texts, save your nasty comments. I don't care. She doesn't care. And then Raven Simone, who is also a co-host on The View, Really? Yeah. Wow. She said, I don't really like to talk about it that much because he's the reason I'm on this panel. He gave me my first job. But at the same time, you need the proof, and then I'll be able to give my judgment here or there. And now that there's real facts, more people can come up. I I don't know what any of that means. She's real smart. <laughs> so but but I'm confused. What more does what more does Whippy need to hear when they say you were going to use these quaaludes for young women you wanted to have sex with? He says yes. Right. Every single story, every single woman that has come forward, the common theme is I was given a pill. The room started to spin. Right. I was drugged. And then I woke up and Bill Cosby was on top of me, grossing me out. Right. That's the story. It's it's disgusting. And I'm very thankful at this point for the AP. The Associated Press is who broke this. They dug in and got these documents released. And it's looking like there is a good chance that the entire deposition will be released and we'll be able to know the rest of what went on. So... Now, the question is, is he going to be prosecuted? Because there is that uh, Chloe Goines, I think her name is, Mm -hmm. who claims that she was raped as a minor, as a 14 or 15-year-old girl Mm -hmm. in the Playboy Mansion when she snuck into the party. So that is, I guess, under appeal right now as to whether that case is going to continue. But now that there is this, it's got to put wind in the sails of her attorney in her case. So it will be good to see this monster be actually prosecuted under some kind of statute. The other thing we want to cover and follow up before we move on is uh, a little thing about Paula Dean popped up in the news this week. She infamously was um, caught having used the N-word and organizing a wedding, a a slave-themed wedding, or just... She's just a terrible person. She's a racist. And... A photo was tweeted from her account this week with her in a Lucille Ball costume and her son in brown face as Ricky Ricardo. Right. So her son, Bobby Dean, was in brown face. And, you know, once again. As Ricky Ricardo, like you're saying. And they tweeted this for Transformation Tuesday, right? (laughs) And I guess shortly after she tweeted it, there was, you know, obviously obviously backlash right right and so she deleted the tweet but apparently this picture is old so this picture's not new that's right that's what came out and that's what i wanted to talk about right but they tweeted it just a day ago and so she's fired her social media manager yeah because paula dean didn't tweet the photo no the social media manager did that is the story so here's here's my thing it it, it, this is from years ago 
and it's terrible, but it's, ugh, come on. You, you need to, the buck stops with her. Even if someone else did it, you hired that person. They should be intimately aware of your persona and the fallibility of your celebrity relative to your reputation. Right, and how it's not acceptable at all for your family to be dressing up in brown face. Right, well, here's the thing. I mean, there is a con- there is a historical context under which blackface is a terrible thing. I don't think that context that context exists for brownface dressing up like a Ricky Ricardo. Although Ricky Ricardo's skin was pretty goddamn white. <laughs> he didn't look as brown as Bobby Dean or what is his what's his name? Bobby Dean. Bobby Dean. Uh, I'm thinking of Jimmy Dean, the sausages. <laughs> right. So his Bobby Dean's face was very, very brown, far browner than than whatever his actual name is. The actor, Ricky Ricardo guy. I. I no, is, it's something else. Desi Arnaz. Desi Arnaz. That's right. So, it it, it really just boils down to. Very poor judgment, very poor hiring practices, and if she suffers because of this, it's her own her own fault. So I don't have much sympathy for. Her. She, she did she did look cute dressed up as Lucille Ball. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know you could stuff eighty pounds of butter in a fifteen pound butter sack. All right. Yikes. <laughs> Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. A lot to get to today. A lot. We got a little Huckabee for you. We got a little Ben Carson talking to God. We've got a little Donald. Well, we got a lot of Donald Trump. There's just a lot going on. First off, though, we'll talk about Mike Huckabee. He was on with Jake Tapper talking about homosexual marriage, of course, because that's his topic du jour. If I spoke better French, I would know how to say topic of the month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had some odd things to say about why marriage shouldn't be for, for gays. It, it, listen along, but it doesn't really make sense to me. ...of same-sex marriage. Which do you think threatens to undermine the institution of marriage in this country more? Same-sex marriage or the rampant rates of infidelity and the high divorce rates in this country among straight couples? It's kind of like asking me which wing of the airplane is the one that's most important, the one on the left, the one on the right. Uh, The whole point of marriage is to create a a relationship where two people are committed as life partners. Mm -hmm. One of the mistakes we've even heard over the course of the same-sex marriage debate is that marriage is all about just love and feeling and sentimentality. And regardless, heterosexual marriage is largely in trouble today because people see it as a selfish means of pleasing self rather than a committed relationship in which the focus is upon meeting the needs of the partner. And that sense of selfishness and, and the redefinition love as to something that is purely sentimental and emotional uh, has been destructive. And I think it will prove to be destructive in every uh, definition of marriage, be it heterosexual or homosexual or polygamy or or wherever the marriage redefinition ends up taking us uh, over the course of the next few years. 
So while I was listening to this, my eyes just kept going back and forth. Like, um, right. Wait, what? <laughs> I can't tell exactly yeah. what you're against about gay marriage. Then, right. Well, he the words he used were marriage. It needs to. It, it is a relationship between two people committed as life partners. Sounds like a problem. Well, it sounds exactly like what gays and lesbians have been fighting for for many, many years is to be able to have a legally recognized relationship between two people committed as life partners. That is what Mike Huckabee describes as what marriage is. And that is exactly what gays and lesbians have been fighting for for many, many years. So I don't I don't get it. What what's what's he talking about? Uh, I have no idea. I think he should listen to his answer again and try to figure out what would have been a better answer for what he was trying to convey because he was trying to argue against same-sex marriage. Right. And but in <laughs> it almost seems to me I had to ask myself this question whether or not he's kind of backing backing away from his so such a strident position that he's held up to this point because this was clearly not and the abomination type of argument that we've heard from so many Christians. Right. Well, it's definitely an indirect answer. I mean, I think it's going to be hard for Mike Huckabee to really come back from the things that he oh, said. Yeah, yeah. He's been so strident about this. He came out after the SCOTUS decision and said that, you know, there needs to be an amendment to the Constitution and this is serious. And oh, yeah. So it would be weird if he all of a sudden changed his mind on this. Speaking of weird... Ben Carson was at a campaign stop this week and had some odd things to say about how he doesn't want to run for president. And he gave a re weird reason as to why he is indeed running for president, even though he really doesn't want to. Because I don't want to do this, to be honest with you. I was looking forward to a relaxing retirement. <laughs> and, you know, we bought a beautiful home in Florida on a golf course, and I bought an organ because I always wanted to learn how to play the organ. I have all these books that I've been saving for years that I was going to read when I retired. I was going to see all the movies I never saw. People always shop. You never saw The Godfather. You never saw Rocky. I didn't have time to see that stuff. And I was going to do all this stuff. And my wife was looking forward to it even more than I was because for decades, 12 to 16 hour days. And she thought maybe we could finally have some time. But I think the good Lord had a different plan. And I finally just said, Lord, you know what, I want to do this. But as long as you open the doors, I will go through it. And if you close the doors, I will gladly sit down. So, if you could hear over the child... That Goddamn was, kid, shut your mouth. Well, why... <laughs> it's excessive. But why Why are kids at these things? I'm always kind of confused by that. It's a weird thing. It's even when, when uh, Ted Cruz several months ago said that uh, the world was going to burn. It was on fire. The world was on fire because of the Obama administration. And the little kid, the world is on fire. <laughs> Yeah, the kids shouldn't be there for such adult conversations. I, I get it if you don't have daycare, but it's I mean, it's not quite akin to bringing your kid to an abortion protest. But 
come on. You know, getting your your child involved in politics shouldn't be happening when they don't have the wherewithal to keep their little trap shut while a speech is being given. Okay. So, so maybe 10 years old, maybe 12 years old, but not toddlers. Come on, people. Get your shit together. So Ben Carson, I mean, how is everyone supposed to not vote for him now that we know that God has selected him? <laughs> I didn't think of that. That's actually very poignant. I mean, he didn't want to do it, but God was like, hey, listen. So what happens when he loses the election? What happens when he doesn't get the nomination? Well, I guess that means God just closed those doors that he was talking about. Maybe maybe God just changed his mind. As long as God keeps those doors open, Ben Carson Carson's going to roll with it. Ugh. Uh, it just, it baffles me. Speaking of baffling me, again, almost at a, in a state of depression, I am, over the fact that Donald Trump still remains in second place nationally in the Republican polls behind Jeb Bush. Yeah, he recently did an, uh, an interview with Anderson Cooper today, and I was seeing a lot of reaction because Anderson Cooper is a very respected journalist on CNN. Absolutely. Well, just in general, he's a very well-respected journalist. And people were saying, uh, Anderson, if you're a serious journalist, you shouldn't be doing this interview. And what is he supposed to do when Donald Trump is second in the polls? I mean, it's, it's, right. he can't just ignore it. Whether he's a joke or not, he's still the second place. He's polling second place for the nomination, for the Republican nomination for the presidency. Also, we don't want to silence Donald Trump because the more that he talks, the more room that he has to hang himself. Oh, yeah. Well, the more he talks, the less I have to on this show because we just play ridiculous clips. Somebody's doing the raping, Don. Well, this week on Fox News... On the Brett Bear show, I guess it's, what's the name of his show? The Report. Special Report. Yeah. With, with, with Brett Bear. He had George Will and Charles Krauthammer, two titans of political commentators. These guys are not fly by night. You may not agree with them, but they are both very well respected individuals relative to their political commentary. Well, this was the exchange that sparked outrage from Trump. George, you said this weekend that Donald Trump is essentially Todd Akin on steroids, bad for the Republican Party. Uh, Todd Akin could only wish for this much attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. but uh, Don And Donald Trump now has learned from this that every four or five days he can say something that make him sound like the guy nursing his sixth beer at the end of a bar in Duluth. But because he's a billionaire, people pay attention to it. And he can take all the oxygen out of this campaign with regularly recurring outrages like this. Understanding your positions on where this he is for the party, what he is as a candidate, he is tapping into something, is he not, that is visceral and populist and angry at politicians, Republicans included. Well, he's tapping in, but he's essentially, uh, he's done it in a way that is, the word offensive is too weak. It's an insult on an entire immigrant group, and he did not make a distinction between legal and illegal immigrants when he said that an entire immigrant group are rapists. So you that's think he's a quote. xenophobe? That's, well, that's his entire campaign. All our problems are from Mexico, from China, from Saudi Arabia. 
and he w- w- will make them pay. But, but that elevates him to a guy actually with ideas. These are eruptions, barstool eruptions. And the pity is this. This is the strongest field of Republican candidates in 35 years. You could pick a dozen of them at random and have the strongest cabinet America's had in our lifetime. And instead, all our time is spent discussing this rodeo clown. At this point in the campaign, politics is entertainment. But as you get close to a decision and people say, do we really want the World Wrestling Federation atmosphere in the Oval Office, I think people will flinch. I hope that to be true, that people will flinch when it gets closer to time to pull the trigger. That, no, he's playing chicken with the American voter, and, you know, we really hope that the the voter veers off the road first and doesn't vote for this asshole. Well, it's really nerve-wracking to see. I've seen a lot of people comment on links about Trump, and they're saying, well, he's saying things that people are just too afraid to say. I don't believe that to be true. Well, if that's true, we have a major problem here because he, like Charles Kratomer said, he referred to an entire population as rapists. Somebody's doing the raping. And he said some are good people. Yeah, that's that's literally his quote. No, he said some he imagines are good people. So in his imagination, some are good people. Eh, He's not really sure about it, though. He has to imagine it. And so if he's saying things that people are too afraid to say, that's that's not good. Yeah, very problematic. Well, I believe yesterday he sat down with an interview with a female MSNBC reporter and he had some things. Well, he had a lot of things to say, as always, but he had some things to say specifically about Charles Krauthammer, who just for the audience's information is a paraplegic he was in an accident i believe a diving accident i don't want to speak out of turn he is now paralyzed from the waist down and he's in a wheelchair and donald trump had some quizzically hateful things to say about him I want to talk about some what some of the Republicans have been saying about you just this week. You've been very divisive for the party. You have Charles Krauthammer, who's called you a rodeo clown. Well, Charles Krauthammer is a totally overrated person who really dislikes me personally. I never met him, but I mean, he's a totally overrated guy, doesn't know what he's doing. He was totally in favor of the war in Iraq. He wanted to go into Iraq and he wanted to, you know, stay there forever. So, you know, these are overrated people. I see who it is. I mean, you can mention name after name. By the way, you're going to mention the ones that do like Trump? You don't do that, do you? <laughs> Goldberg has compared you to a failed man who mistook flattery for insight. George Will. I'm a failed man. I'm worth a fortune. I built, you know what? It's interesting. I went to the best school, got the best, great marks, everything else. I went out, I made a fortune, a big fortune, a tremendous fortune. I'll be announcing that in about a week because I have to file <laughs> my papers. It's bigger a than people even understand. I have a book called The Art of the Deal. I do The Apprentice. The Art of the Deal was like the number one business book of all time, or just about, I think it was. And I do The Apprentice, and NBC's angry at me because they renew The Apprentice and I wouldn't do it. And that's one of the reasons that NBC's so angry at me. And then I get called by a guy that can't buy a pair of pants. I get called names. Give me a break. Okay, one, what was the question? 
that he was answering? I, I don't know. He just it was a it was a litany of insults and self-aggrandizing. Yeah, I'm so confused by him. But so at the end, what he says is that he's he's being insulted by a man who can't even wear pants or can't even buy pants. Right. Sorry, buy pants. So so, but what does that even mean? Right. What does it mean? But it's clearly pointed to me in my mind. It's clearly pointing at Charles Krauthammer, a man who is in a wheelchair. Right. And that's what people are saying. Donald Trump's camp is denying that. He's saying that he was talking about Jonah Goldberg. He didn't even say Jonah Goldberg's name. But if someone could explain to me how that applies to Jonah Goldberg, I I don't know. How does it apply? Well, I would need an explanation as to how it applies to Charles Krauthammer as well. Well, I would as well, yes. But, but, but in the absence of any explanation, I have to tie, kind of stab at the dark. And, and the only thing I can think about is the fact that Charles Krauthammer's not walking around in pants because he's sitting in a wheelchair. Yeah. It, it's just it's a very convoluted. But then the other thing is, goddamn, that all the just talking about himself and the great grades and the oh, tremendous fortune, a fabulous fortune. It's a great fortune. Just shut up. We get it. He's, you're fucking you're a billionaire. He's saying, how dare these people talk about me? I'm amazing. I'm 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 rich. <laughs> I'm smart. I've done all these great things. It's amazing to hear him talk. Yeah, yeah. It baffles me because you think that a guy who has $9 billion. Is that what he's worth? That's what he said in his campaign opening in his announcement. He was talking about his net worth being almost $9,000 million. $9,000 million. And he cannot stop talking about, I went to the finest school. I got the best grades. I had the hubba. I, a tremendous fortune. Everybody loves me. The Mexicans love me. The Chinese love me. I'm, I'm loved by everybody. Well, it seems like he can afford to have a rib removed. And oh. then he would be able to <laughs> really appreciate getting, himself. Getting inside <laughs> Britney Page with the rib removed joke. Okay, so anyway. So Britney's talking about. No. Brittany, in a sideways way, is saying that Donald Trump has enough money to have a rib or two removed from his body surgically so he would be able to have the ability to suck his own penis because he can bend over and be far more flexible after the removal of a rib or two. Mm, I don't know if that's what I was saying, but... (laughs) I would appreciate, though, having some of his self-esteem. Yeah. I mean, well, no, because he's a narcissist. And who knows if he actually feels good about himself. I don't. Inside. My my guess is not. Because you don't have to keep repeating how awesome you are all the time. If you really feel awesome. If you really feel awesome. Right. Or if you really feel that others think you're awesome. Because listen. Which is the other thing he says all the time. You're a billionaire guy. Ugh. Anyway. The interview goes on and he he really starts treating Katie Tour very poorly. And it really kind of paints him as a misogynist or as the misogynist that he is. Immigration's a very big topic. Take a look at all the crime that's being committed. Go take a look at it. The look, research I'm says the crime is the crime is does not match yeah, what you're saying. The research, research, the Pew research, which is independent, okay. says. Don't be naive. You're a very naive person. <laughs> the Pew you're research a- says that there are uh, for immigrants on the whole create. Come on, try getting it out. 
Try getting it out. I'll get it out. I mean, I don't know if you're going to put this on television, but you don't even know what you're talking about. Try getting it out. Go ahead. Immigrants commit less crime than U.S. born citizens. Okay. There are less immigrants in okay. our jails than. You know what? Number one, I, I disagree with it. Number two, whether it's true or not, illegal immigrants. I'm talking about illegal immigrants. I'm not talking about immigrants. I'm talking about illegal immigrants. I'm an immigrant. You're an immigrant. We're all immigrants. Illegal I'm immigrants about commit illegal. less crime talking, other than coming through illegally. I'm talking about illegal immigrants are causing tremendous crime. Tremendous crime. And tremendous, nobody wants Brittany. to talk about it. And that's why Fox, at least Fox, and I'm, you won't leave this perhaps, but at least Fox is being honest because they're now talking about it bigly. And if I didn't bring up the subject a number of weeks ago, we wouldn't even be talking about illegal immigration right now. Brittany, Fox is talking about it bigly. Yeah. They're talking about it bigly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real bigly. So it is extremely <laughs> disturbing that the way that he spoke to her, not because she's a woman, by the way, just because he is being extremely disrespectful for an interaction with a journalist, period. But the thing is, we watched his Anderson... Come on, Brittany. Don't be naive. You're a very naive person. <laughs> right. We watched the Anderson Cooper interview, and Anderson Cooper challenged him in many areas. Oh, yeah. Said, well, aren't you being hypocritical? I mean, saying things that were making him visibly uncomfortable and forcing him to really address some issues. And he never took a tone like that with right. Anderson the, Cooper. The closest thing that he that he that he did to that was saying, you're not a baby. You're not a baby, Anderson. I can talk big boy to you kind of a thing. And but, but it was nothing that rose to the caliber. Come on, try getting it out. Try getting it out. I'll get it out. I mean, I don't know if you're going to put this on television, but you don't even know what you're talking about. Try getting it out. Go ahead. Here's what's disappointing is that she let him rattle her. Right. And it's really unfortunate. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's an intimidating situation to be in. You're sitting there with Donald Trump. In he's, his he's Donald Trump. In his, you know, billion dollar skyscraper. Yeah, in his Trump Tower. And I'm sure it's nerve wracking. And then on top of just being there with Donald Trump, Donald Trump is being rude to you. And being super adversarial. On TV. Yeah. And you're having to deal with that situation. So I understand that it would be difficult not to be rattled, but I just, uh, I just wish that she wouldn't have gotten rattled. Well, she got so rattled that later in the interview, she actually, she said, talking about him watching his mouth to foreign leaders and she'd be, he'd be pissing off the world. She started using, you know, salty language for for a television interview. Right. And I think it really, it it could be chalked up to the fact that she was a little thrown off. Right. By his dickishness. Right. Well, and they were good questions, though. I mean, how is he going to deal with world leaders when he has the pompous attitude that he does? I mean, is this how he would have an interaction with Angela Merkel? Well, probably. That's the problem. I mean, it's it's scary to think of how he would interact. That's not even being hyperbolic. It is scary to think about the prospect of a Trump presidency because he doesn't have a filter. He doesn't have leadership ability. The leadership ability, listen, owning business like this and being a real estate mogul and being a billionaire doesn't mean you have leadership qualities. It doesn't mean you can govern. And he he doesn't have the finesse or the subtlety, the nuance of leadership to get the job done. Try getting it out. Go ahead. Right. Because when you see someone who's charismatic, gregarious, you know, 
like Barack Obama. He's really good with people. Right. Or George W. Bush. Right. They're good with people. They are funny. They make jokes. They're up there, you know, acting like a normal person and you like them. Right. Every time I've ever seen Donald Trump talk, I'm amazed at his narcissism. Right. It's it's kind of entertaining. But then after a while, you think, really? This is how this guy is? You don't feel inspired. No. It's not Ronald Reagan inspiration. Bill Clinton inspiration. You don't leave after having watched watching him speak and like, wow, th- things are great right now. <laughs> I mean, when Obama won the, I know people personally who cried buckets of tears because Obama had won because he was such an inspiration. Right. Well, shouldn't these politicians be making the American people feel like they can be great yes. and they can do great things yes. rather than I wrote the art of the deal in the 70s. Yeah, and, uh, number one business book. <laughs> ah, by the way, I read your book in, in eighth grade, <laughs> Donald Trump. It's not the hardest read. I was in junior high when I read your book. All of all of the accomplishments that he lists. But I'm a tremendous reader, Brittany. A tremendous, tremendous reader. Right. All of <laughs> all of his accomplishments. I mean, it's great that he's rich. It's great that he hosts The Apprentice. It's great for him. All of these things are great, <laughs> but he does not have people skills. Uh, really? And so that is yeah. where he's seriously lacking. I mean, he can't brag about that. No. but he, he, can, he tries to. But he can brag about being second in the polls right now behind Jeb Bush. Yeah, someone explain it. Uh, I have no idea. That's why I say I'm on the verge of depression over this, because it really means that the conservatism strain in the Republican Party has gone astray. It's gone awry. It's crazy. I mean, is everyone getting together thinking, ha ha, we're going to play a joke on the American people and vote for Trump? Yeah, I don't fucking know. Ugh. It, it makes me sad. All right, let's move on before I start crying my own bucket of tears. 538, uh, they wrote an article, not just they, but the Nate Silver wrote an article about the chances of Sanders winning the nomination for the Democratic primary. He, he talks about Sanders being able to win possibly in Iowa and New Hampshire and then lose everything else. If, if we need to refresh your memory as to the, the, the capability of the prognostication skills that Nate Silver has, he picked all 50 states last election. Every single one he nailed. And I think he missed one state, maybe. He may have gotten all 50 the time before in 2008. That is correct. He's a genius. Yeah, he, well, he's for sure a genius. So he's a statistical nerd, and he has run some numbers relative to the chances that Bernie Sanders has. And if I'm going to believe anybody, and I would be pretty diametrically opposed relative to politics and, and political views with Nate Silver, for the most part... Um, I would trust his judgment and his his ability to predict. So what did he say? He said Hillary Clinton's campaign is now telling reporters that she is at risk of losing Iowa to Bernie Sanders in the February caucuses. Clinton's campaign is probably right. Sanders could win Iowa. He's up 30 percent of the vote there, according to the Huffington Post. What's more, Sanders could also win New Hampshire, where he's at 32 percent of the vote. Nationally, by contrast, Sanders has just 15 percent of the vote and has been gaining ground on Clinton only slowly. One theory to explain these numbers is that Iowa and New Hampshire Democrats are early adopters of Sanders' populist left message. These states have received the most intense campaign activity so far, and Sanders' name recognition is higher among Democrats in Iowa and New Hampshire, perhaps about 70% or 80% based on recent polls than it is nationally. 
If this theory is true, Sanders' numbers will improve nationally as Democrats in other states become as familiar with him as those in Iowa and New Hampshire are. What Nate Silver says, though, is that the voters in Iowa and New Hampshire are really liberal and really white, and that's the core of Sanders' support. So as he kind of tries to expand, that's what Nate Silver is saying, that he's going to have a problem because his views don't really have a following in other aspects of the party. Here's what Sanders is going to have to do if he's going to find success nationally. Let's say he wins Iowa and New Hampshire. He needs the campaign infrastructure and system in place that they can explode with with commercials and with with advertising online to get his face out there and get his message out there and use the bump that will inevitably occur after those two primary states or caucus state in Iowa's um, case. Um, They need to really hit the ground running and take advantage of that bump because they're not going to have much time and then it's just going to go back to business as usual. So we'll see. I don't know if he has the massive machine in place like Hillary Clinton does because they will react. If he does win Iowa, they will react, and he's going to need to have something in place to counteract that. So Nate Silver says Sanders, who has sometimes described himself as a socialist, isn't likely to do so well with moderate Democrats. That's a problem for him since a thin majority of Democrats still identify as moderate or conservative rather than liberal. But Sanders has a few things working in his favor. The share of liberal Democrats is increasing pretty rapidly, and those Democrats who turn out to vote in the primaries tend to be more liberal than Democrats overall. What's received less attention is that Sanders has so far made very little traction with the non-white Democrats. The most recent CNN poll found his support at just 9% among non-white Democrats, while the latest Fox News poll had him at only 5% among African-American Democrats. Hmm. Which you need that. You need that vote. That's a, that's a segment of the population within that party that is uh, necessary to win. Right. And so Nate Silver saying because 93% of the Democrats who participated in the Iowa caucus were white and 95% of the Democrats who participated in New Hampshire were white. Right. That's why he's predicting that Bernie Sanders is going to continue to do so well in those states, but he's going to have a hard time since he's not winning over the rest. Well, of the he's Democratic also party. he's also going to have a hard time winning in the South with Southern Democrats. It's just he faces an uphill battle for sure. So we will see what happens and hold Nate Silver to the fire relative to his his uh, his psychic ability, his data analysis ability. <laughs> so you may have heard Jared from Subway had the FBI raid his house, take his computers, his cell phones, his tablets, any data storing electronics that may have child porn on them i'm chris hansen with dateline nbc and uh everything's up in the air he is innocent until proven guilty there is no evidence that he is guilty whatsoever he obviously there's a reason why his house is being raided right the the fbi isn't just going to do that for no reason but he hasn't been charged with anything and he also wasn't arrested at the time of the fbi that's raid. what i mean he's he hasn't been arrested he hasn't been charged but it it cuz it very well could be his relationship with the 
the, the guy who runs the Jared Foundation for Kids. I guess I'm probably not the surprise you expected, am I? So we will see what takes place here, but uh, it's not looking good. And I'm not saying that Jared Fogle, Subway representative, is a chomo. Former Subway representative. Oh, right. Yeah, he got fired by Subway today. I'm not saying he's a child molester or a child pornography connoisseur. I'm just saying that when I picture one in my mind, that's kind of what they look like. Why don't you have a seat there and uh, get comfortable for that? You know, I looked on some uh, at some interviews that he did, not rel- not recently, but, you know, in the last five years or so, and it's really easy to take things out of context. You know, I travel almost 200 days a year as part of my job and as part of what I do with Subway, so I have to be obviously pretty careful, especially when you're on the road. you got to be really careful when you're on the road, Brittany, mm-hmm. because it's easy to get caught and have the FBI end up raiding your place looking for child porn. What is the question you get asked most by people? Well, I think they always want to know, did you really do it? I mean, I think people are still sort of fascinated by that. <laughs> it's what I'm wondering. Did he really do it? Mm-hmm. Again, not guilty. They're, they very well could be just looking for evidence from the, the president of his foundation. But here's the thing that bothers me about this. Obviously, that children are being victimized, possibly raped. It's terrible. I believe it should be a capital crime. But it's a lot like when Jerry Sandusky, the convicted serial rapist of boys, the assistant coach of the Penn State football team, college football team, that he also started a foundation for children as, in my opinion... And in my estimation, as a vehicle to get closer to possible victims. Well, it it appears that if guilty, that is exactly what Jared Fogle did. So started a foundation for children. So you're saying who who was the link here? Who was the link that the the guy who runs his foundation, the president of Jared's Kids or whatever the name okay, of the foundation so, is. So it is Jared Fogel's foundation. That's it's right. Just the president of his foundation has been arrested and has charged been arrested. and been charged with not just possessing child pornography, but producing child pro- pornography, creating it in his home. Right. So also innocent until proven guilty he's only arrested and charged but it's not looking good well because the fbi doesn't just go around sorry brinny the the fbi doesn't just go around willy-nilly arresting people for these charges unless they have substantial evidence to do so because they know that it's not like racketeering or embezzlement this will completely ruin your life if you get even mildly associated with something surrounding child pornography. Well, it's it's extremely disturbing, and I wish that we knew more information because I feel like that's something that should be known. Yeah. I mean, he just, not even because he's a public figure, but if it, if, if it is the case that Jared Fogle is involved with the president of his charity in doing this, or if he knew about it, yeah, 
or something he was involved uh something needs to be done uh, yeah i think th- they need to be vetted a little harder than just oh you're on tv or oh you're a football coach great yeah whatever you want to do oh you want to have sleepovers yeah yeah come on over coach it's not good it's not good and a lot of it stems from, and this is just off the top of my head right now, a lot of it stems from the odd celebrity culture that we have in this country that, oh, you're, you're, you're beyond reproach because you're well-known. That doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Anyway, we'll move on. Certainly something we'll be addressing in the future, though. And maybe our friend will join us. I'm Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC. NPR has recently done an article or a story about evolution, and it has been published in the journal Cognition. A new paper published by psychologist Will Gervais sheds new light on some questions regarding evolution. In two surveys conducted with hundreds of undergraduates attending a large university in Kentucky, Gervais found an association between cognitive style, so thinking style, and beliefs about evolution. Gervais used a common task to measure the extent to which people engage in a more intuitive cognitive style, which involves going with immediate intuitive judgments, versus a more analytic cognitive style, which involves more explicit deliberation and which can often override an intuitive response. In both studies, Gervais found a statistically significant relationship between the extent to which individuals exhibited a more analytic style and their endorsement of evolution. So analytic style and believing in evolution go hand in hand. Importantly, the relationship remained significant even when controlling for other variables that predict evolutionary beliefs, including belief in God, religious upbringing, and political conservatism. Hmm. So regardless of other aspects... An analytical thinking style still goes hand in hand with believing in evolution. The study also replicated prior work that has found a relationship between religiosity and evolutionary beliefs and between cognitive style and religious disbelief. Participants with more analytic style were not only more likely to accept evolution, but also to indicate lesser belief in God. That is very interesting that it's not necessarily tied to your religiosity, or even understanding of the topic at hand, but really just what kind of a thinker you are. That's very, very interesting. So what exactly does it mean to have an intuitive response? What Kind of, kind of unpack that for me. So individuals with a more intuitive cognitive style are likely to experience a stronger pull toward purposive thinking, a greater aversion to uncertainty and other cognitive preferences at odds with evolution. If their intuitive responses are generally stronger, they're also less likely to succeed in overriding them by engaging in analytical or reflective thought. Right, because they don't think that way. Right, so creationism and belief in God might be intuitive for many Kentucky undergraduates, not only because these (laughs) beliefs align well with basic human tendencies, but also because these are the beliefs they grew up with and that dominate their communities. Well, and it's also Kentucky. So what might require analytic and reflective thought isn't just overriding cognitive systems that govern intuition, but overriding the norms that one's upbringing and peers. Right, right, right. Well, it's being, you know, you're raised being taught that the sky is purple. And then when you finally realize that it's blue, you you kick against that until it, it you get convinced of it. Because forever you've been taught it was purple. You know, it's 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 a bummer. It's 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 a shame. 
Well, and I think that this is a good example to illustrate that people who don't believe in evolution aren't stupid. You know, there's always that thing where, well, I believe in evolution. I'm more intelligent. I get it. You're just dumb and you're stupid because you don't believe it. And there's just different ways of thinking and you need to get around someone's intuition. And that includes how they were raised and what they've always been told and how they feel based on what their community is telling them. I can definitely get behind that because I know many, many very smart people, far smarter than me, who don't believe in evolution. I know people who are highly educated who don't buy the theory of evolution, which I think is batshit crazy, colloquially speaking. Um, I don't get it, but this, this does give me better insight into that. Well, and we also have 31% of Americans say that humans and other living things have existed in their present form since the beginning of time. Right. That's crazy to me. 31%. So that's a large percentage to just write off as stupid or unintelligent. 85% believe in angels. So. (laughs) Well, maybe that's just intuitive. None of that makes sense to me. But anyway, I think it's great that they're actually putting... The, the resources of science behind this to do some research and understand it a little better. Accompanying this is a little bit of Pew Research. Pew, 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 Pew. Right, so that was kind of, I kind of jumped the gun on it with the 31%. Um, <laughs> but 65% of adults say that humans and other living things have evolved. So the majority. Yeah. And roughly half of those who say that humans have evolved over time believe that evolution has occurred from natural processes such as natural selection. 35% of adults believe that. And then 24% of adults believe a supreme being guided the evolution of humans. So this is the new adjustment on the evolution belief. That's exactly right. You don't necessarily have to not believe in evolution and, and believe that everything exists as it did in present form since the beginning of time, you can now believe that God guided evolution. Yeah, just like he guided, you know, Larry to get a job. Right. And guided, you know, the six-year-old girl with brain cancer to die a horrible, painful death. All makes real good sense. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Hopefully we get to a point where it's just automatic, <laughs> where everyone just knows as soon as you run your mouth. I, that... I think it's good to play it for those who might be joining us for the first time. Okay, so another... That Brittany and I clearly share different views on things and also i am free because i'm unencumbered by school or a professional life i am able to be a little bit more strident and aggressive in the things that i say so you temper me i appreciate that you do so another 5% of all adults are unsure how evolution occurred. Some honesty going on there. Yeah. Just, we don't know how it happened, but we believe it. Yeah. We're neither analytic or intuitive thinkers. We're just kind of dull. <laughs> we're just kind of waiting around to see like what happens. The jury's out. So I'll just put the rest of this evolution and perceptions of scientific consensus report from Pew Research up on the Facebook page and the Twitter page. Awesome. So if you're not following the Twitter page or you haven't liked the Facebook page, you should go do that because all the articles we talk about, we post to those pages and you can share them with your friends and help spread the 
delicious information without Jesse's hyperbolic words. And they are tasty, tasty treats, Brittany Page. Thank you for the the wonderful social media presence that you that you create mm-hmm. with the Facebook page well, and Twitter. Don't give me too much credit and make everyone believe I am the one who makes the post because there are very often mistakes. And oh. so I would like to sometimes blame that on you. All right. I will take that blame. That's what I do. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. It's the asshole of today. Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh Dinesh D'Souza, you say. Well, that's a tough one. So he has a Facebook page. He does have a Facebook page. Where he has, well, at the time, he had 107... 807,000 followers. Okay. And he posted a photo of Hillary Clinton. This was going around last week, so you may have seen this. Right. He posted a photo of Hillary Clinton that was 46 years old. Right. She is 22, I think, in the picture. Right. And she's wearing glasses and she has her hand up. And it's these pictures were taken for a Time article or something. Well, she was the first student to give the commencement address at her particular university. Wesley, I believe. Wesley, and that's right. So Dinesh D'Souza shared this photo on his Facebook page. Now, what's so special about this photo? Well, it had a Confederate flag in the background on this bookcase that was in the background of the Hillary Clinton photo. Right. And his caption said, look closely at this Hillary photo. Isn't that a Confederate flag behind her on the bookshelf? Okay, so here's what's irritating about this and why he is in this section on I Doubt It today. Yeah, why Dinesh D'Souza is the asshole of today. It takes 10 seconds or less right. to Google Hillary Clinton photo Confederate flag. Whatever kind of mix of words you want to put into the Google <laughs> right. search. Just do whatever mix you want. Google's magic like that. Right. And then it will piece whatever those keywords are together. And it will provide you with numerous articles that indicate that this is a photoshopped photo. Right. It is photoshopped. That Confederate flag has been photoshopped into the photo. Google also, for your information, Mr. D'Souza, you can actually upload that photo into Google Images and it'll search for other instances of something very similar. There was an article three or four months ago that featured this particular photo without the Confederate flag, which would indicate that it was photoshopped within the last week or so. Right. So this photo currently has 66,996 likes. On on his Facebook page? Right. 66,000 likes on his Facebook page? Right. Wow. And 53,862 shares. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, but hey, he edited the caption, okay? And this is what he said. Even if the Confederate flag was edited into this Hillary photo, what is going on with those glasses and that hairdo? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Okay, so he admitted, listen, I know this photo isn't real. I know it's photoshopped. It's fake. But I'm going to keep it up anyway for my 807,000 followers on Facebook. Who liked it and very well liked it when it had the status claiming that it was a Confederate flag that was legitimate. And then you edit after they've liked and commented. Right. 
that's disingenuous beyond. That's crazy. Right. And I know that this is a relatively futile thing, right? It's just a photo of Hillary Clinton with a Confederate flag in the background. It's 46 years old. Who cares, right? Well, this shows who Dinesh D'Souza is. It shows his character. Yes, it does. He's not someone who's interested in truth. He's not someone who's interested in presenting facts. He's interested in presenting information to the uninitiated, to people who aren't interested in facts, who, after learning that this was photoshopped, still said, yeah, well, it doesn't matter if it's photoshopped because she's still this, this, and this, and I'm going to share it anyway, and whatever fits the narrative. It's the thing we say all the time on this show while trying to move the conversation forward. You don't need a lie to further your argument. The truth will do just fine. And apparently, the truth won't further his argument because the truth doesn't back up his side of things. He's a terrible person. So, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far, but he's obviously... Jesse D's going that far. Yeah, he's obviously doing some very disingenuous things with his page. And it's unfortunate because there's a substantial number of people following him that trust him. So whatever Dinesh D'Souza posts... Well, he, I trust him. He's a good guy. I'm going to share what he shares. And right. he's educated and blah, blah, blah. And that's that's what the problem is. Because all those 67,000 people that liked it, it got pushed into other people's feed. The 54,000 people that shared it, it got pushed into people's feed. And this fake thing that's not factual gets spread around. And it isn't just a Hillary Clinton Photoshop photo. It's memes about GMO rats with tumors in their stomachs. Yes. It's memes about... Just anything that's fake. Mercury and vaccines. It's the non-GMO water bottle that I saw. You the know Marisol. what I mean? Marisol. It's all of the the wacky, woo, pseudoscience, all the crazy Confederate flag bullshit. It's all of it. All sides do this, and it needs to stop. It's just misinformation, and it's unfortunate because people don't want to take that 10 seconds it takes to, this article seems a little too good to be true. This meme isn't really, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. Huh, Hillary Clinton with a Confederate flag? Let me investigate. And people were arguing with me saying, well, Hillary Clinton, she was a a Republican when she was younger. Okay. Not all Republicans love the Confederate flag, first of all. Anyway, ugh, 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 really, goddamn. I don't know, it's, it makes me angry. Well, it's even, if, if she was a Republican... Is Hillary Clinton not allowed to change 46 years ago when she was 22 and sure, yeah. n- no longer be a, a young Republican? She was in the Young Republican Club. Right. Is that, a, is that a lifetime membership? Right. And it probably wasn't at 22. It was probably like her first, maybe second year of college. So she was probably 18 or 19 and because she was raised Republican. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Don't share a meme. I guess I guess the, the mantra for today, the message to take away, is to fact check. Do a Google search. It's real easy. And apparently don't trust Dinesh D'Souza. Yeah, don't trust, don't trust the asshole of today. But also, fact check so you don't end up being the asshole of today. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> All right, with that, we are going to leave you. Listen, we love you. We appreciate you listening as much as you do. We say it every time, but we really, really mean it. You guys mean the world to us. You allow this collective conversation to happen, and we appreciate it very, very much. 
If you would like to support us, you can do so through the Amazon link at dollamore.com or you can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore and give a 25 or 50 cent per episode donation, whatever you can afford. Every little bit goes a long way towards supporting your favorite show filled with news, news. and ridiculous comment. Until next time, everybody, we love you. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Seems like he can afford to have a rib removed, and oh. then he would be able to 